Amen. Can we put our hands together and give the Lord a cheer this morning? Come on, how many are thankful for His goodness? How many can lift your hands to heaven and say, God's been faithful? He's been faithful. Amen. He is good. Hallelujah, Lord. You are amazing, God. Amen. We bless you, Lord. You may be seated today. It's good to see everybody in church. How many love coming to church? Anybody? Love coming to church. I was born on a Saturday in church on Sunday. That's how committed I've been. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, we grew up in church. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers today, especially my mom. Happy Mother's Day. And, and of course, uh, I have a wonderful mother-in-law, but also my wife is such a wonderful mother to our children. And uh, she just knows how to make our house a home. And, and uh, how many can just, if you're standing, sitting but maybe by your mom or a mom, just say, amen, this is your day. This is your day. We celebrate you today. So we're excited about that. <clears throat> you know, a great, successful mother, someone said, isn't someone that has never had struggles, but it's somebody that hasn't given up despite the struggles. Amen. Aren't you glad that your mom didn't give up on you? Or, and, uh, and so many good examples of, of people that have loved you in, in your life. And so I'm so thankful, too, because of all the single moms and, and how they're just so strong and they're just so loving. And, and uh, all the moms in this church are so wonderful. So, uh, again, happy Mother's Day. And I'm going to go off script a little bit today and share something a little different, maybe, than Mother's Day, if that's all right. All right, and it does apply to, to, to mothers, but this is my fifth Sunday back preaching. So I haven't preached for five Sundays. So uh, it's been a little while. So uh, I feel maybe I'm a little rusty at it. I don't know. We'll see. No, it's in my blood. And, uh, but it's been, I can't believe it. I told my wife, I said, yeah, it's been five weeks since I preached, and it's just been that long. We had some guests and some other things. And then I wasn't feeling well, and, and uh, my dad really covered for me, and I really appreciate that, and, and uh, just was here. And last minute, I asked him both times, and he was able to cover, so I'm thankful for that. But, um, you know, we just were, I was just feeling under the weather. And, and uh, how many know that um, the Lord is our healer? Amen. And just the scripture that kept going over and over in my heart is, he sent his word and healed them. Amen. And aren't you glad that no matter what, what, what situation we're in, no matter what, what condition we find ourselves in, what temperature we're in right around us, he is our healer. And the Bible says he sent his word and healed them. How many can claim that today? God, you sent your word and you healed me. How many can lift your hand and say, I'm being healed. I'm, I'm being healed. I'm in the process of being healed right now because of what Jesus has done. And aren't you glad that it's not something that's coming down the road. It's something that's already been done. It's already been, already been done in Jesus Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. So those of you who aren't feeling well, you're joining us online, or those who maybe you have family members that aren't feeling well today, aren't you glad that we can just say to them that God's Word is going to heal you? Amen. So as we preach the Word today, we're just hoping that somehow God's Word heals you, brings you to wholeness and completeness in Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for that. You just can't buy that, can you? But in Jesus, it's free. Amen. And so we love that and love that about the Lord. <clears throat> but today, I just want to talk a little bit about something, and then maybe in a couple weeks, and kind of going along, along the lines or in tune with um, our small groups and some of the things we're doing there. Um, by the way, at the end of the service today, um, we uh, had some other things planned, didn't quite work out, but we do have some uh, flowers for all the moms today. So if you make your way out to that uh, side door right there, which most people do, uh, we have a little gift for you. So we just, just want to say we loved you and appreciated you. So uh, we wanted to make that clear today. I totally forgot. It's one announcement. I only had one announcement, and that's all it was. And, uh, and I seem to mess that up a lot. In Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read from Philippians chapter 2. 
And uh, you'd think that if I hadn't preached for five weeks, this needs to be a real good sermon. I hope it is. And uh, <clears throat> amen. But in Philippians chapter 2, um, very familiar passage of scripture, but something that I just really um, have on my heart and I feel that is just a theme really of our church and what we've always um, strived to be in the Lord. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, <coughs> says in verse 5, I'm going to start in verse 5, just read a little bit. So let this mind be in you, Paul's talking to every believer, which was also in Christ Jesus, the same type of mentality, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant or the image of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How many are thankful for the cross today? Amen. But Jesus did it in such, a, such an awesome way. And I want to talk to you today about the ministry of service. We're talking about blessing our neighbors and <clears throat> being, uh, you know, outreach. We really focus on outreach and we focus on a lot of it. We talk a lot about that, obviously, with the OC and some other things that God's going to do with River Valley Mission. We put an emphasis on that in our church. And I'll tell you why. There's really three reasons that are very important. And that is, I believe that a healthy church, a growing church, a very vibrant church in the Lord has an emphasis on evangelism. Would anybody agree to that? Amen. And then I think the second thing is, is that every believer should be engaged in the mission of Jesus Christ. In some way or another, we've got to be excuse me, engaged in the mission of Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. We're commissioned and commanded to do that. And then the third thing is, is I feel that the greatest aim for all believers is to serve. Think about it. The greatest aim in, the, in Jesus, here he said, let this mind be in you. The same type of mentality that Jesus had was to be a servant. How many believe that? Aren't you glad that Jesus came to serve? Aren't you glad that you were on the other end of that? When he died on the cross, he served. Amen. I'm so thankful for that today. But, you know, as there's an emphasis in our church, one of the things that I've noticed that if there's a, an emphasis on reaching the lost, on, on reaching the hurting and broken in our city, there is a release of God's great power, His love among us. Did you ever notice that? And I've seen that the more that you focus and emphasis, uh, emphasize on reaching the lost and really walking in the mission of Jesus, it seems like the more there's a release, a greater release of the power of God. I've seen it in my own life. And so I can say that with confidence that I see that in the life of Jesus as well. <clears throat> but let me give you some, and I have a PowerPoint, hopefully it works. Uh, the scripture really reveals three key attributes of Jesus. <clears throat> number one, and that is the mentality of Jesus. And that is, number two, the mission of Jesus. And number three, the ministry of Jesus. I'm going to give you a couple lists today. We're going to go over. But uh, So this scripture reveals, kind of starts out with the mentality of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. And then the ministry of Jesus. Really, Jesus fulfilled his ministry. And then when he ascended, he turned it over to us. And that is the ministry of service. And that is the, the ministry of serving. Did you know that? That Jesus said, this is yours now? <laughs> and so we didn't look at it like that. We thought, well, Jesus did his thing. Now we're going to do our thing. But really, we're fulfilling his mission. Amen. How many believe that? We're walking in his ministry that he started over 2,000 years ago. And so I've noticed this, that serving like Jesus is the higher level of living. 
It is a higher level of living. If you read the teachings of Jesus and see his life, he lived on a higher plane than everybody else. Now, our goal isn't to be better than everybody else, but how many are looking for that higher level of living? How many believe that God's called you to a higher level of living? I certainly do. But our idea, our definition of the higher level of living is riches and fame and personal comfort and materialism. That's kind of our idea of higher level of living, isn't it? But, and, and if you ask anybody, their idea of a lower level of living would be to serve. But how many know in the kingdom it's reversed? It's the higher level of living is to serve. That higher level of moving in the gifts is about serving other people. How many believe that? Right? Amen. And so I see that, excuse me, see that in the scriptures. And so I believe that the three characteristics that characteristics that Jesus calls every believer to in every generation, and some people struggle with this, and, and that is these three things. Let me share with you three characteristics that really Jesus calls every believer to in every generation is number one, submission, number two, sacrifice, and number three is serving. So Jesus calls us to this, and I, I believe this is a challenge, isn't it? You know, we want the blessings of God. We want, the, you know, we want all, the, all the blessings and all the fringe benefits of being in the kingdom of God and the blessings that God gives us. But how many know these are the characteristics that the Holy Spirit leads us to? Jesus points you in this direction. When you read the Word and you fill your life with, life with the Word every day, how many know you're going to find yourself uh, kind of being confronted with these three issues in your life? Are you submitted to God? Do you submit to other people? Are you loving other people or sacrificing? Come on. And uh, how many appreciate <coughs> excuse me, moms that sacrifice? Amen. They kind of knew this principle. And why? Because they followed God and they just... Followed the Lord and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And somehow God leads you to these three things. And this is really the challenge in our generation, isn't it? How many can honestly say, man, I've worked with some people and they just don't seem to want to submit to anybody or anything or any kind of rules or any kind of, come on. And they don't certainly don't want to sacrifice beyond themselves and forget about serving. But how many know Jesus brings these things back? He restores these things. He teaches us these things. And this is what I see in the life of Jesus. Because this is true freedom. Now, many people think, well, if I really serve God and I really get, you know, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll become, you know, everybody's uh, walking mat and I'll just, you know, how many know this is true freedom? Serving the Lord and serving other people is true freedom. This is true joy. You don't get your joy by, by living your life for yourself and trying to, to pile all these, accumulate all these things for yourself. How many know that doesn't bring joy? That doesn't bring satisfaction, but only these things. And this also brings righteousness and, and satisfaction, so I've noticed that. And so when we first come to the Lord, I'm just kind of laying a groundwork. I just want to show you something about serving, that when we first come to the Lord and we receive Jesus and accept His salvation... I think one of the thing, first things that we forsake is self-love. That's one of the first things we're confronted with, isn't it? Is pride and self-love. And that's one of the first things we reject. You know, I like what James McDonald said years ago. He said, idolatry is that one world religion we've yet to renounce. Everybody's faced with that, isn't it? Everybody's faced with that, that world religion of idolatry. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit leads us in a life away from idolatry. How many can say amen? He leads me in a life that's away from selfishness. Paul said, as now we're born again, we no longer live for ourselves. Isn't that right? We don't live for ourselves. And so, I mean, that's great if you like to have those books that, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, becoming a better you and, 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 you know, having a legacy now and your better life now. But how many know that's not the point of the kingdom? That's not the point of Jesus doesn't really point you in those directions about being a better you. He points you in the directions about a glorified Christ in you. Is this all right today? 
Amen. I've had three weeks to think about it. So anyways, in Matthew chapter 20, if you just turn or, or click there, it says Matthew chapter 20. I love this um, teaching of Jesus. So the disciples are around and they started arguing amongst themselves who was going to be the greatest. And then Jesus starts talking about what false religion looks like and false leaders and, and uh, pretentious leaders. And he said, but that in verse 26 of Matthew 20, but it shall not be among you. That's not going to be who you are. But whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't say there was anything wrong with wanting to be chief. He didn't say there was anything wrong with wanting to be the greatest among you. He said, but they would be the greatest servant among you. But how many know by the time you get to being the greatest servant among people, you don't want to be the greatest among anybody? Amen? If you really want to be everybody's minister, amen, the desire to be chief among everybody will somehow disappear. Jesus is so smart. He knew this, didn't he? And so when he, he talks about this, I love this scripture because he said, that's not who you're going to be. When you're a follower of Jesus, he talked to his disciples, the believer in Jesus, that's not who you are. Let me give you an example of one of the first things in our text today. We talked about the mentality of Jesus. Let me give you an example. In James chapter 1. Everybody loves James. James is a great book. But in one, verse one, he opens up and he says this. James, he addresses himself third person. James, he said, the servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, James was a brother of Jesus. And we would say that if anybody had the right or the privilege to say that they are the apostle, they're a prophet, they're this and they're that in the kingdom, it would be James. I mean, he was the brother of the Messiah. How many know that you would think that he would say, I am the brother of Jesus. I am the, no, what does he say? I am the servant of Jesus. I am the servant. That's how he saw himself because that's the same mentality that Jesus. Jesus had this. And so here's my point today. And this is one of the greatest points about this teaching today. And that is this. The greatest position or title in the kingdom of God is servant. The greatest position. Look, hear me. Not the great. Now, now Paul said to desire the best gifts. It's prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, tongues, interpretation. He said those are the better gifts. But how many know this isn't the best title? The best title is not prophet. The best title is not apostle. It's not a bishop. That's not the best title and the greatest title in the kingdom. It is servant. You will get no higher in the kingdom of God than a servant. And yet we think we start there and we work our way up. No, no. You start there and you end there. I mean, no, being a servant is the starting point and the end game of every believer. And so he says this, and I love that about James. And it wasn't that the, the, he was striving to be that apostle, even though he was. And he wasn't striving to be that prophetic thing, a voice, but he was. He wasn't striving to be this amazing man of God, but he was. He was striving to be a servant. And I think that's, that's a good lesson, isn't it? And because I am Jesus' servant, I can serve other people. So I not only have the call to do that, but I have the potential in me to serve other people. Amen. And so because I'm Christ, how many are Jesus' servant? How many are just going to say, I want to be a servant of Jesus? I just, I, I mean, I'm not really trying to be, even though that's great. Sometimes we feel good about ourselves when we get titles and recognition. But how many know you would like to say and hear Jesus Christ himself say one of the greatest things that he could say to us, best recognition is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not famous servant, not fashionable, come on, not fabulous faithful. The Bible says that we are his faithful and true witnesses in the earth. And how many know a servant is just faithful? Isn't that right? Amen. And so I love that about the lessons that Jesus teaches us is that really just comes to back to being 
a servant. See, God doesn't call the most qualified, the most talented, the most gifted, the greatest leadership ability. He doesn't call those people. He calls servants. He just simply calls servants. And he said, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to empower you. How many are thankful for that? Amen. And so God uses our abilities, but how many know he doesn't, he doesn't call us according to our abilities? Amen. He calls us according to his love. Aren't you glad for that? So many of us would not be a part of this kingdom if we, if we build it on gifts and talents and abilities. We wouldn't even be close to, to being considered by God. But aren't you glad he doesn't base it on that? He bases it on his love and what Jesus did at Calvary. Amen. Aren't you glad that that qualifies me right there? Anybody in the room? Anybody feel that way? The cross qualifies me, amen? And that's good enough, isn't it? Amen. And so when the devil comes and says, well, you're not good enough, you're not not talented enough, you know, you can't be used by God, other people are better than you, you can say, you know what? The cross qualified me for God to use me. And God can use me any way he wants to in any, come on, any circumstance, any way God can use me because I just want to be a servant. Amen. Amen. And so gifts and talents, we see this, we talk a lot about gifts and talents, and we talk about character, and so we know that gifts are unique. Gifts may be unique, but serving is common. Servanthood is common, isn't it? The Bible says that your gift may be unique, and it it, it might really, you know, it benefits the body, but serving is just common. And it's not this this deep revelation. I kind of wrote this down today, I thought, there are many deep mysteries of the faith, but serving others is not one of them. I mean, you know, there's a lot of deep mysteries. The Bible says marriage and Christ, how he loves the church. That's a mystery. The Godhead, that's a mystery. End times, that's a mystery. But how many know one of the things that aren't a mystery is serving other people? Because we can look right at the life of Jesus and say, I want to be just like him. Amen. God, you, you want, you're, you're developing me be just like you. In Luke chapter 22, verse 27, <clears throat> Jesus asks this question. And he says it to the disciples again. And I think this was part of that argument they were having. It must have been lasted for a couple days because Jesus had a long discourse on it. And so he said this in verse 27 of Luke 22. He said, who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? And what does Jesus say? He said, well, the one who sits at the table, of course. I mean, that's who we, we think is more important, isn't it? But Jesus said, I came as the one who serves. I mean, that's mind-boggling, to the, especially to them. They're like, no, no, you're going to take over the Romans. You're going to rule. You're the king of kings. This king of kings and lord of lords, Emmanuel, El Shaddai, Alpha and Omega, came as the one who serves. Isn't that awesome? This is our example. Jesus, the Bible says, left us an example. I mean, Jesus didn't come and say, get me the best robes, get me the biggest diamonds, get me this. I need to be worshipped. I need to be prayed. I need the red carpet. He didn't do any of that, did he? In fact, when he had an opportunity to do that, what did he do? He chose to ride a donkey into town. When he could have had a red carpet and the trumpet players and all this royalty running after him and announcing him, he didn't do that. He chose to take the way of a servant. Amen. I'm so thankful for the Lord. Amen. And one of the things I've noticed is that the teachings of Jesus about serving include faithfulness, stewardship, accountability, and commitment. And I'm so thankful that the Lord always... In Jesus' teaching, he always, he always lives this out before he, teached it. He, te- he taught it. He taught it, right? Amen? And he showed us this, and so I gave us an example. Let me just quickly go over some false concepts of success 
in ministry because we're talking about the ministry of service and a lot of people have false concepts it may be because of the way we grew up maybe what we were taught or shown or saw for ourselves or maybe we just I think in our human nature have myths about serving there's just certain myths that we have uh, have kind of adopted about serving and let me just give you a couple and I'll give a couple next week as well but number one is my position among others makes me closer to God that that's a false concept about ministry my title is my identity I mean James could have said I'm the apostle I'm this I'm that I'm every and he allowed his serving to be his identity Jesus made his serving his identity not his title amen because if you read Philippians what does it say right after that because he humbled himself God had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name Jesus could have went with that he could have said look I've got a name above every other name but he said I'm Happy to say that I'm the servant. Amen. That, I love that about the Lord. But my ministry is exclusive and makes me famous. How many know that's a, that's a false concept? Serving is at the bottom of the food chain. That's a false concept. To God, it's the greatest thing. To God, it's at the top. That's where you start. Serving. Amen. That's where you stop too. Amen. And so uh, I'm too busy to be involved. Or I pay someone else to do the work. How many of these are false concepts of success in ministry or serving in ministry? Amen. And let me just uh, move on and, and say that there's four areas that um, we can apply the ministry of serving. Number one is in the presence of the Lord. Every day, daily devotions with the Lord. How many know you practice serving the Lord? Oh, no, I practice serving the Lord when I'm at church and I'm up there, I'm singing. I'm doing, No, you practice his, in his presence every day. You just practice. I'm a servant, Lord. I'm coming to you. I'm offering worship to you. I'm just that servant today. Come on, anybody? And then in your house. How many know the second thing is in your home? Well, it's got to be in the church. No, it's in your home first. How many know if it doesn't work in your home, it's not going to work anywhere else? That's the real you. That's where everything really happens, isn't it? And if we can't serve others around us and those in our family and those we love, I mean, no, we're not going to serve those we don't know yet. And then in church, obviously, and in the world. So there's four areas in his presence, in our homes, in the church, and in the world. So let me give you some principles of serving or keys of serving, and I don't know how much we're going to get through this. Number one, I believe that we need to serve when you know you should. Serve when you know you should. In James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and don't do it, this is sin for them, the Bible says. It's sin. So if you know to do good and you don't do it or you see needs around you, and James talks about this, that you know, if you see somebody that has a need to come in and say, then you just send them away with a blessing, he said you really have done yourself a disservice to the Lord. So I, I believe that you know, it's not too hard to think about what we can do tomorrow, but how many know we find it hard to do that today? And so one of the things is that we see in front of us almost every day is serving when we know we should. Those are just simple things that we see every day that we need to act on. And so I believe a servant helps where they're needed. They just, they just help where they're needed. And one of the things I believe that we could ask and we could start by asking is, where can I help? I mean, that's a good place to start. Where can I help? I can see needs around me. What are some of the needs around me? How can I help? And obviously, we always run the risk, which we'll share in a few weeks about when helping hurts and toxic charity, when, when how many knows you can be abused. But... I think some of us are so concerned about that. At the very beginning, we don't want to help anybody because we say we'll be abused. But how many know God will always make a way for you to get out of those relationships? 
But, you know, companies pay for what they ask you to do. You'll get an employee and he'll pay you, you know, what they ask you to do. But one of the things I've always taught my kids is that they'll give you a raise or a promotion based on what they didn't ask you to do. It's serving where you know you should. Coming in early, staying late, working. How many know? I tell my kids all the time, you're going to do other people's jobs all the time. Somebody's not going to perform in their job and you're going to have to step up. How many know what I'm talking about? And you serve where you know you should. Number two, I believe that we should serve when your reputation might suffer. We serve when our reputation might suffer. Jesus put his reputation on the line. The Bible says that he didn't seek to have a reputation. That wasn't, his, that wasn't his goal. He didn't even consider that. How many know Jesus was talked about and he was lied about and, he was, and, and people came against him and smeared his reputation, right? Jesus didn't seem to care. He just didn't care about his reputation. And so we serve when our reputation might suffer. In Luke chapter 14, in verses 8 and 11, just write this down. This is a great story to read later. And that is Jesus tells us, gives us example. You know, back in the day, being invited to a, a wedding ceremony, it was a big deal. It was for a couple days. It was, I mean, lots of food and drinking and all kinds of stuff. So if you were invited to a wedding, that was a pretty big deal. And Jesus said, if you're invited to a dinner or a wedding or to an event, he said, I'll tell you what you do. Don't sit at the head of the table. That was usually reserved for rich people or most famous, most popular at the party. Don't sit there. He said, sit in the corner. Sit in the broken chair. Sit, sit way in the background. Sit back there. He said, I'll tell you why. Because if you sit at the head of the table, the, the host might come in and there might be a guest that's more popular than you that he likes better. He'll tell you to move and you're humiliated in front of everybody. He said the best thing to do is sit in the chair and sit in the back and sit way on the end where nobody wants to sit. And he said, then the host will come in and recognize you and move you to the front. He said, then you'll be elevated in front of everybody. So he gives us principle in verse 11. He says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. I mean, you know, that's easier said than done sometimes. That you serve when your reputation might suffer. You serve initially when it, you, you might look bad in front of other people and they might, might make fun of you, Jesus says. But you know, one of the things we've understand is that the old nature in us holds one thing in common among everybody and that is pride. Did you know that we inherited a rock star mentality? We believe that we're entitled. We be, that's, that's, how many know that's part of the old nature? We believe that we should be privileged. We believe that we deserve all the blessing, all the positive prophecies in the Bible belong to me. How many know... That's part of our old nature. And it really is. And God begins to deal with that. Why? Because pride is the enemy of serving. Pride will always keep you from serving. Always. Pride is the enemy of serving. It's deceptive. It's empty. It promises much. Delivers little. I mean, there's no satisfaction. There's no significance in pride. And it just seems to make on, take on different forms, doesn't it? Pride kind of takes on uh, so many different forms. But I, I believe that, that, that it really... It can be hard to identify sometimes when it comes to serving. Because as Jesus said, some people are serving, but they're doing it with the wrong motives. They're doing it with their heart, wrong heart conditions. And so it, 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 it always kind of looks, looks kind of this form that God doesn't like, and that is self-glorification. When we're into serving for self-glorification, then it's wrong. I like what T.F. Tenney said years ago. He said, we're never more like the devil than when we seek to glorify ourselves. Wow, isn't that amazing? And so there's a prideful thought that it says, that if I serve, then others might think less of me. But look at the mentality of Jesus in Philippians. The first thing, he thought in his mind, a form of a servant. He took on his 
in himself, that idea of a servant. In Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and verse 23, he says that you're uh, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner your fathers did also to the prophets. Jesus said, cheer up, you got the same call as the prophets of old. We look at the heroes of faith. It's like, I want to be that. I want to be this legend in the, of the faith. Well, good luck. You've got to take a lot of hits on your reputation, don't you? Amen and personality. And so that's what Jesus taught us, didn't he? And so with pride, we create a decision that really didn't seem to exist in the mind of Jesus. How will I look? Jesus never had this idea, how will I look in front of other people? He never thought twice about what he would look like. He just always had on his mind obeying his father and loving other people. Isn't that true? Amen. And so as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, To the weak I became as weak that I might gain the weak, and I made all things all men that I might save some. Amen. That's amazing, isn't it? And so he was never, never too arrogant, never pri- too prideful to say, You know what? I'll have lunch with these people. I'll sit by the lepers. I'll go down to the leper colony. I'll take food down there. I'll, I'll preach the gospel to them. I'll hug on them. I'll love them. And yet I can go to the same day. I can go to the Pharisees and I can preach to them and have dinner with them. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that Jesus? Number three, serve so your reputation doesn't improve. We serve so our reputation doesn't improve. I mean, you know, we don't do it for the credit of others. We don't do it so that we look better and that we're better servants or better, greater servants. We don't do it for our reputation to improve. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, he said, Therefore, when you do your alms and you give to the poor, he said, Do not sound a trumpet before you and as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. That's why they do it. He said, Verily, I say unto you, they have the reward. Amen. How many know their reputation wanted to improve, but Jesus said, don't do it so your reputation improves. See, the recognition and the gratitude of others can be almost as addictive as drugs. You can get so addicted to the praise of men. And that's why the Bible says it's a trap. It's a snare. The praise of men, the fear of men, whatever, it's a snare, isn't it? It's a trap. You can get addicted to it because you're looking for that acceptance, looking for that approval. But Jesus had the approval of his father. And so we, we just go to the world and we say we have the approval of our Father, we have the approval of Jesus, we're good to go. And so serving for the credit of others is not the service that Jesus talks about. And really what it is, is, is you know, one of the things I've said over the years is that if you're too big for a small job, then you'll never fit into the kingdom of God. If you feel that you're bigger than you really are and that you're bigger than other people, as James says and teaches us later, is that you won't fit in the kingdom. The, the way that you fit into the kingdom is that you become small. Right? How many know that if you do things that are small, the Bible says that God will give you bigger things. In Proverbs 27, 2, it says, don't praise yourself, let other people do it. Let other people praise yourself. I always talk to the worship uh, leaders and teams and I said, look, <clears throat> if you have music and you're talented and everything else and you feel that your song's going to go around the world, let the Lord do it. Don't push yourself on other people. Don't push your talent on other people. People leave the church because they think, my gift is way bigger than this church and the world needs to hear me. I need to get on, you know, America's Got Talent and I need to be recognized. I need to sign contract. I'm bigger than really everybody else. How many know that's not the spirit of Jesus? If you're so popular and you're so great and your gift is so amazing, God will make sure it goes around the world. And most of the time after you're dead. 
Amen. Isn't that, isn't that how the Lord usually does it? <laughs> so that you can't get the credit and recognition, but how many know we're not looking for the praise of men, we're looking for the praise of God? Amen. And so Jesus said this, nevertheless, he said, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they didn't want to confess Jesus, lest that any time they should be put out of the synagogue and separated from the company because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. That's pretty amazing, you know, that heart condition. So God rewards our devotion to him. To seek credit from man is to seek a lesser gift. When we seek for the credit of man and the praise of men, I believe it's to seek a lesser gift. But to our heart should be to seek after, amen, the praise that comes from the Lord. The elevation that comes from God. The exaltation, as you will, as the Bible teaches us, that comes from God. Aren't you, aren't you, isn't it better for the Lord to exalt you than yourself? Amen. When, when, you, when you get promoted or you get blessed by the Lord, there's just something so great about it than if you try to elbow your way through and push your way through and make it happen for yourself. When God elevates, when God promotes, when God blesses, it's so much better. Amen. 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 And so let me just finish up with this, and that is um, we really need to serve when there's no trophy, when there's no reward, when there's no recognition offered. We just simply serve because we're a servant of Jesus Christ. You know, someone said this one time, that if you really want to make sure that your ministry is of God, go hide somewhere like David. Go hide in a cave. And if you're really called, God will come get you. If your ministry is really something, God will promote you. If you really have all these gifts and talents and you're so amazing in the church, I know the Lord will come and get you. But you know, it's so important to serve in obscurity. It's so important. David showed us this. Joseph showed us this. Gideon showed us this. Is serving in those, in those meaningless times. And those, in those tasks that nobody sees and nobody understands. This is what's so wonderful about a great mom. She doesn't look for these things. She just simply does it out of love. How many can thank God for a mom like that? She didn't, she didn't try to, you know, and at every family dinner, hey, I, you know, I did this and I did that and everybody needs to respect me here. There's just a respect for mom because of her love, her work, her sacrifice. And that embodies really the, what we're talking about here today is being a servant. In Luke chapter 20, verse 20 and 46, Jesus said, beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets. Oh, there's so-and-so. Look at Bishop. There he is. And the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at the feast. So they had these feasts that were you know, reserved for the VIP and the celebrities. And they loved these things, Jesus said. They, they devour widows' houses and, and they, show, they make this show of long prayers. He said, the same shall receive a greater damnation. I mean, that doesn't sound good right there. And so in ministry, we'll talk about this later, but in ministry, some other time, ministry isn't about, you know, all the titles and the greetings. And, and I remember being in a service where, where the pastor, you know, a couple of people came down and one person had his briefcase. One guy had his Bible. Then the pastor came in a robe and he had towels and all this stuff. Another guy carrying this for him and everything. And, and oh, he had the two, so, two rows saved for him and everything and all this stuff. And then he got up to preach and he had somebody come over and pat his head with a towel because he was sweating. The man of God is sweating. I'm telling you, that stuff's got to go. And, and there is a level of narcissistic ministry that God is getting rid of in the church today. How many can say amen to that? Yeah. E egocentric. And I'm just telling you, and I've seen it, and I was like, who is this guy? Like, he healed one, maybe one person, and he prophesied about money. I mean, and then he left. What's the big deal? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And uh, anyways, 
Hallelujah. And so Jesus teaches us this, is that the, first of all, the temptation of leadership is to want to be the best or the highest or the greatest or receive the worship. That's a temptation of leadership. Number two, Jesus teaches us this, is that we need to look at the product of a man's ministry rather than presentation of his ministry. Look at the product of it. Look at the fruit of it rather than the presentation. How many know Jesus made it sound like the Pharisees had this big old presentation and yet they were so, Jesus called them full of dead man's bones. They were clouds that had no water. <laughs> Promising much, but I mean, and, and so we see this in ministry today, don't we? And we, oh my word, they're a servant of the Lord because they can heal a couple people and do this and do that. And yet the fruit of their ministry is terrible. How many know we need to look at the, at the product of people's ministry? And that's what we need to go for. Say, Lord, I want my product, my fruit of my ministry to be pleasing to you, to glorify you, to lead others to the Lord, whether I'm on television and magazines and on online and have followers and all this stuff. And, and it doesn't matter, God, because really in the end, I just want to be like James said, a servant of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand on our feet today. <clears throat> this is such an exciting message. Amen on Mother's Day. No, it's good. Let me give you the fourth thing. And if you uh, want notes on this, I'll repeat it next week. And that is number, number four, serve until it doesn't bother you. You just serve until it doesn't bother you. That's what I love about a good mom. It just doesn't bother her to stay up late. It doesn't bother her to get up early. It doesn't bother her to... to you know, just put in long hours and to work a couple jobs, it doesn't seem to bother her because she's just got that servant mentality. How many know Jesus had that servant mentality? Didn't bother Jesus that people would come for hours and hours and hours wanting to be healed, wanting this, wanting that. It didn't bother Jesus. It didn't, wasn't a burden to him. He just served and it didn't bother him anymore. Come on. To the place the Bible says in Philippians that he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I mean, think about it. Jesus' servant heart, his servant heart to other people led him to the cross, led him to the pain on the cross, led him to the suffering on the cross. It was the serving others. It was the serving his father. It was the mission and the ministry that he had, come on, that put him and kept him on the cross until he said, it is finished. Amen. And so I want to just encourage you, serve until it doesn't bother you. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, As you were serve the Lord, not unto men, as men pleasing, but God pleasing. Serve wholeheartedly. How many know it's about pleasing the Lord? I, I mean, I'm telling you, if God's pleased with your life, that's, I mean, that's better than anybody else being happy with you. Amen. Because God, when he's just saying, you know what, you're just, I'm just pleased with your life. And so many of us think that God isn't pleased with us. So many of us think that, well, I've got to do this, 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 perform in front of all these people. And then God somehow will be pleased with me when we don't know from the very onset, God said, I'm pleased with you. But I didn't really do much and I'm not really anybody special and I don't really have all these titles. I'm pleased with you. How many know that's, that's good enough, isn't it? So we need to serve until it doesn't bother us. We, and I believe that, you know, even more than the praise of others, being hurt from others really kind of shifts our attention to selfishness and protecting ourselves. And I believe that really what happens is, is that when other people hurt us and, and it bothers us, when we, we gave ourselves to people and they turned around, they didn't appreciate it, they hurt us, rejected us, somehow we get offended at that and we, we almost lose our, lose our salvation and we kind of just lose it. And, you know... 
when we serve when it doesn't bother us anymore. We serve because, you know, people, the very people that you serve, Jesus served for three and a half years, turned their back on him, rejected him, and it didn't bother him. How do you know that's that's a servant? I mean, that is that is awesome. And I said, Lord, when you know that we, we have these smoldering embers of pain that people of rejection and people didn't appreciate us, and yet it didn't bother Jesus. And I said, Lord, I want to get to that place where it just doesn't bother me anymore. If if people notice it, if they recognize me, it just doesn't bother anymore. And so we wanna we wanna just give up our rights when we come to the Lord. And Jesus clearly gave up his rights. The Bible says he didn't seek to, 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 to you know, really fulfill his rights. How many know he came for the cause of God? And so I believe that when we serve others out of an overflow of a faithful heart, then the devastating actions of other people become absolutely powerless in our lives. When we serve and it doesn't bother us anymore, whether people appreciate us, whether they turn around and hate us, it just doesn't bother us anymore because we're servants of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that Jesus, amen, remembers everything that we've done? And the Bible makes it clear and Jesus teaches us over and over again, people that do it for men, do it for now, do it for recognition, do it for, you know, all these wrong things. He said they have the reward right now. But there's an eternal reward to those that do it before the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into what? The joy the joy of the Lord. And today, I hope that you find joy in serving other people. This week, just look at the needs around you and, and serve the, you know, when you can and serve in where you should and serve that doesn't bother you and serve in ways that your reputation won't improve and you don't have to brag about it. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of people putting things on TikTok about how much they gave to other people and how much they fed the poor and how much they did that. How many know that's just so shallow? The Bible says, Jesus saw it, he said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It becomes part of you. You are just such a giving person, such a serving. You're just, just loving other people. You're doing it before the Lord that it doesn't bother you that you don't get thanks. But let's just not make that mistake today. Let's thank our moms. Amen. Amen. Well, you heard the message today. It doesn't matter whether you get gratitude or not. But how many know we don't want to go there with her moms? We want to make sure that we thank them today. Amen. Can we just say, Lord, I want to be a servant today. Can we just say, Lord, my highest calling in the kingdom, my greatest thing isn't about being the greatest among us, but it's about being the servant. And that's what I want, Lord. And so can we just lift our hands to heaven and say, Lord, teach me to be your servant, Lord, more and more. I want to be, I just want to serve you in your presence every morning, every day. Lord, when I just get up, it, it's just it's just a way that I can just serve you is just be, just be there and be in your presence and talk to you and allow you to talk to me. And Lord, help me serve in my home. Help me just look at the needs around, the simple needs, complimenting and, and uh, serving and helping. If you're a child or a teenager, Lord, I just want to serve more in my home. I just want to be a blessing in my home. And then, Lord, there's such a need in the, in the world. There's such a need in the world to be servants. That we're not trying to make a name for ourselves and shove our faith in, in people's faces, but we're just trying to share the love of God. And so, Lord, help us see the needs around us, the simple needs, those needs as we're sharing in our life groups. Lord, just blessing people around us is so simple, Lord. Help us. We just give you all the praise and all the glory because of who you are in us and what you're doing in us and around us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said,